Hi, and welcome to Musicians Real Talk. I'm your host, Glenn Douglas. Musicians Real Talk is a podcast which serves to provide life stories and information about musicians performing in and around the Washington, Maryland, and Virginia areas. So you understand, musicians, we arrive at the job, we exchange greetings, we perform, we break down, and eventually we go our separate ways. Rarely do we engage in our life stories or share in conceptual devices which contribute to our approach to this thing called music. The Musicians Real Talk podcast aims to fill that void. My guest today is a Washington, D.C. musician. He plays guitar, bass guitar, and he's also a music producer. He's worked with such artists as Experience Unlimited, Allison Williams, Regina Bell, Angela Bofield, Maya, Bobby Lyle, and also D.C.'s own Marcus Johnson. He's a frontman for his own project, which is called The Carter Project, and currently he's working on his ninth recording CD. Everyone, welcome to the Musicians Real Talk podcast, Earl Carter. Well, thanks for having me here. Hey, man, I'm glad that you were available. Um, you know, you're a busy man. You're a busy man. Hey, Earl, uh, how did you get into this thing called music? Good question. Many, 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 many years ago. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking um, early 70s. Early 70s. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And I was a little kid watching, uh, what's it called? Don Christen's rock concert or something. Oh, like yeah. That. Just come on a Friday night. That's right. Yep. 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 Right. I remember that. Yeah. I, I never missed it uh, because I like music. Right. Didn't play any instruments at the time, but I just like music. A particular band came on one night called Return to Forever. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> and when the bass player came out, Stanley Clark, right. and uh, they, you know, when they called him out for a solo, I said, Yeah, that's what I want to do right there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Play music. Yeah. You want to play music? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So okay. I made up my mind back when I was, uh, I think I might have been eight years old or something. Yeah. Something like that. What was, Ten, your first yeah. in- what was your first instrument? First instrument was, well, first, what is the first instrument I tried to play or the first <laughs> instrument I could play? <laughs> okay. 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 Uh, let's go with what was the first instrument that really inspired you to uh, pursue music? Yeah, it was the bass. It was bass? Yeah. Okay. Bass guitar. Yeah. Bass guitar. Just, just uh, Stanley Clark had, had inspired me just from that, that concert. And I, so I well, 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 Return to Forever inspired a lot of musicians, but also messed up a lot of musicians because we were all trying to play those 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 lines and trying to learn them and, and, and those those orchestrated orchestrated parts and, that they had going. And the fact that they could play it together, everybody. Yeah, they, yeah, they did, and and it was clean. Exactly. <laughs> clean. Yeah, clean. man. I mean, and clean. Then, I was I was thoroughly impressed. So that's yeah, yeah. yeah. So did you uh, study music early on in school? Yeah, yeah, and 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 don't let me leave out Hendrix as well. Jimi Hendrix oh, was the other one I, yeah. I, I had my eye on as far, and that's why I ended up. Uh, picking up guitar as well, oh, yeah. but yes, to your, uh, answer your question, yes, and the instrument was sax, alto sax, 
And that that was my most fluent instrument. That's why I said, well, which one? <laughs> most <laughs> Did I fluent. Hold on, man. You, you went open, went from bass to guitar, and now we're talking about alto saxophone. Yeah, I played all three of them at the same, you know, during the same same era. But my my uh, strongest, my, my main instrument was uh, which I was formally trained on was uh, sax. Woodwinds, yeah. So, where did you uh, study woodwinds? Well, in um, actually in, in high school. High school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, what I did was um, in three different schools, by the way, because my parents were retiring. Okay. Um, so they were building a house um, in Tappahannock, Virginia, but it wasn't ready. So during that time frame, uh, their house was uh they found a buyer for there so he sold it but still needed to live somewhere while right. the other house was yeah. being built. Right. Mm-hmm. So one house in DC which was sold, another house in Maryland which was being rented, another house in Virginia which was being built. So I oh, man you got all like, you got you got three phases man. <laughs> exactly. So during high school I went to school in DC, Maryland and Virginia. Wow! Right! Wow! Yeah, and and here's what I did because I like music so much. Even though I took all of my academic uh, classes, like your, your chemistry and your algebra and your geometry, all that stuff. Um, I still would squeeze in three music classes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would take I would take a um, the, the concert band for like the classical music. I would also uh, sign up for jazz ensemble, okay, for the, for the uh, big band stuff, and then I'd also sign up for a um, beginner or intermediate uh, class to, to learn another instrument. So I, I I learned like with those classes I played um, trumpet, trombone, flute, the different you know different instruments just so I what could. What school did you go to, man? Did allow me to do all that? Yeah. Here's the, here's the funny thing. That was the sca- same school that years later, Yusef Chisholm, bassist, yeah. uh, ended up being a teacher there. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, and I, that was I came back years later because he and I were uh, about to do a, the TV show we used to do with um, Michelle Wright, 8101. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I went to his school to uh, go over the material with him. Right. Anacostia High School. Wow. Had all man. of that available. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow, mm-hmm. isn't that something? Yeah. Plus, they had a, a peer counseling program where I was one of the junior counselors um, counseling other students that weren't doing as well as I was academically and so forth, okay. which was an experiment at the time. So I got a government check for doing, for, for uh, you know, they had a grant, I guess, to, to, yeah. to take care of it. Wow. So I was getting a check to being a peer counselor, taking three uh, music classes. And I was uh, serving papers. I was a paper boy, so <laughs> so so I was an entrepreneur back then. You know, with three 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 jobs right, because right, with the music right. um, during the evening we would go out. You know, I had a, a band. You know uh, that, that we we play the clubs and stuff. We just had to have a, a chaperone, but we sounded like adults. So, you know, I was getting paid to play play the clubs at night. Uh, weekends, you know, right. not not really like the weekends. Right. Plus, I served papers uh, seven mornings a week, right? And I was a peer counselor for the school, for DC public schools. So I had three checks as a kid. 
Wow. Wow, man. That is very interesting. Hey, look, man. All of this is going to tie into some questions I'm going to ask you a little later on. So, but keep going. This is good stuff. But but now in school, as far as uh, college, I didn't um, I didn't take up music in college. I, I just went to a PG and got a, a business management uh, associates at, at uh, PG Community College. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I figured I wanted to to have the uh, knowledge, the know how, as far as how to run a business, to 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 go along with my ability to you know play musical instruments and so forth, and, and marry the two. So, Earl, uh, who were some of your musical influences back then? Okay, so I mentioned Stanley Clark and Jimi Hendrix, but also George Benson, Grover Washington Jr., uh, Ronnie Laws. Mm-hmm. Um, there was there, uh, Parliament Funkadelic. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think we, I think we all went, some, went through some funkadelic stages, yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> uh, a lot of the classic rock bands. I was, I was very eclectic then, man. Yeah. You know that, that. So it's no wonder that I, I play multiple genres now because right. I was, you know, I was open. My mind was open to all of that back then. Well, Earl, at at what point uh, would you say the creative bug? Uh, you were bitten by the creative bug. I was probably the only guy in the class that would, would, uh, you know, how you make up your own music, you you, you give it a shot at being um, a writer or whatever, and you you might throw throw together a couple of chords or whatever. Man, I'd write the the whole whole, um, score for... uh, like the sax, the trombone, trumpet, you know, and then and then, I, then I'd give it to my teacher, and he he make the correction because I I wasn't it wasn't right, but I was I was trying, you know. But but he was impressed at the fact that I took the time to to you know to do that, yeah, right, right. But it paid off because even during that time, by the time I got to my third high school, the teacher had to put me in a, a, a room by myself because I was so far ahead of everybody else that he, he felt like it would would do me a disservice to, to sit there in a concert band and and you know I'm just flying through the stuff and, and they're fumbling and stuff so he just he said look here's the sheet music you go in that room right there when we're ready you come on yeah. out <laughs> yeah, it was crazy man it was crazy so so Earl looking back would you say that uh, you were a gifted musician or would you say that uh, your skills were developed uh, off of you being a determined musician I viewed myself as someone that was determined because I I spent hours and hours practicing after school after after I did my homework I I, I spent about eight hours just shedding going to uh, sax from the sax to the guitar to the bass and my mother's like uh, boy when you go <laughs> cut out <laughs> cut it out and go to sleep or something right, you know, right. you know, I was just, I just going. but having said that. Since the since my peers didn't realize I put in so much practice time, they thought I was you know because I was young. They thought I was like a prodigy to just right. just you know. No, I'm not a prodigy. I'm just, 
I'm, I'm a grinder. <laughs> you know? He said, look, man, uh, I will outwork you. You're right. Uh, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to outwork you. Uh, Earl, I'm going to switch gears for a moment. Um, I believe that musicians, especially musicians who are full-time musicians, have to have what I call a hustler spirit. Um, and looking back and thinking about this interview, uh, you have stated that uh, you sold newspapers, uh, you worked as a peer counselor, uh, you also uh, were playing music on the weekends, making money. Um, but here, for me, this, this was the take as far as your hustler spirit. I remember once you were telling me how you got off, the, you, you were coming from a flight from Ethiopia. You got off the flight got a call for a gig that day and you went and took a gig while you were just getting off the flight now most people would have said look I'm just getting back from Ethiopia I'm beat unfortunately I can't take a gig but the hustler spirit in you said I'm going to go take this gig what do you attribute that to? Well, here's the thing. I, you, you mentioned where we had the opportunity to practice and there are people who would love to do this, but they, their schedules don't allow them to and so forth, you know, as far as um, be like, say, a full-time musician, for example. I attribute it to me having been on that side as well. Because I had a family, I started a family at a very young age. And um, I didn't know, even though I had that entrepreneurial spirit and I was doing my thing as, as a teenager, uh, in my early 20s, actually 19, 19, my first child was when I was 19 years old. Okay. So, so I started real early. Um, I had to make a decent living but I had no clue how to make a decent living playing music. Right. So I went, and cor went to corporate America and I uh, moonlighted playing music. And while having that same drive, I worked my way all the way up from the bottom position to the, as high as you could get in, 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 the, um, in that particular department of, of, of a multi-billion multi -billion dollar corporation. Okay. So, so I was like the top guy there and still figuring out how to tweak this mu music thing. Okay. Ended up working with um, a group that ended up with a multi-platinum hit. Okay. So I was doing some traveling because I worked so much in corporate that I had a lot of leave accumulated. So I was able to take two weeks to a month off easily because I had I just was building up time because you know, I was working... 60 to 80 hours a week and uh, not that I got I was um, salaried but it's just the fact that you know I was never I just never took off you know right so long story short I didn't know I was it, I was kind of in a frustrated position there because I wanted to do it full time but I had to I had to figure out how to uh, make the same or, or close to the same type of money to, to pay for a mortgage and car note and all kind, you know, oh, health yeah. insurance, yeah. And so, you know. Yeah. So, having been there, 
having been having been in both situations that motivates me to to, to do this so that I don't have to go back to doing that. Okay, uh, what circumstances uh, took place uh, to to push you uh, in the direction of becoming a full time musician? As I mentioned, I worked up to uh, I was a director of distribution for a large corporation that went out of business. Well, that's that <laughs> that would be a problem. Well, that's a problem. <laughs> so. I I got uh, I ended up getting the same position with another multi billion dollar corporation that went out of business. Earl, <laughs> what's going on here? Man? It's not me. <laughs> I know they say, "Well, uh, you're the common denominator." No, <laughs> it, 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 it wasn't me. <laughs> it was the other depart- departments okay, no. that, that, that created the problem, not my department. Okay, now, it was just I was just you know in that in that. So I said, you know what? Okay, I've been doing this for twenty something years now, and I've, I'm, I'm at a, at a point where. It's kind of hard for me to, first of all, I've I've become such an expert at it, so good that if I were to go somewhere else, which I tried, I'm going to know so much that the guy above me who's telling me that I need to do it this way and that way, that uh, it's like half my age, it doesn't really have a clue. Right, right. I, mm-hmm. I, had, I had to try it there. Well, okay, you won't listen to me? Okay, we'll do it your way. And then, you know, when everything, you know, crumbles, hey, you know, I tried. But So, long story short again, I, I didn't want to be in a position where um, I, I had to, I had to, I had to listen to somebody tell me to do something that I knew wasn't right. Okay. You know, so I said, "Well, I'd rather be my own boss, like I was when I was serving newspapers. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was a peer counselor and playing in the band. I'd rather be back, be back to doing that again." Yeah. So, how did uh, your experiences from working in corporate America help you in this transition to, uh, to becoming a full-time musician? Oh, man, it, it, it enabled me to bec- become a complete package, man. Because, yeah, because a lot of people think it's just all about your, your skill set as a, um, your ability to, to be this phenomenal musician who knows all these riffs and scales and chord progressions and, and you know. But then you have guys like that who have all of the talent but they won't show up for a gig on time. Uh, they have a bad attitude during the entire um, uh, performance, and, and, and that uh, that spills over into the re- you know it creates a ba- bad environment for the for the rest of the band. Um, they um, you know they complain about everything. Uh, th- those are things that I learned as far as having to manage 250 people. Mm-hmm. I, I knew a lot about. Uh, you know, deal, working with other people and so forth, and being on time and planning, organizing, setting goals, accomplishing goals, forecasting, looking at your pro- projections—all of the stuff that I did in corporate—I took all of that and I 
I made that a part of my business. Right. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. No, I'm saying. Yeah. So it's not all about. Oh man, dude can play, man. He, you bad boy. Well, I don't think that's gonna get me the job because you can be the baddest guy on the block, but if you don't have the other elements, nobody wants to fool with you, man. Yeah. Um, see that you 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 you've kind of gone into a thing where I was going to ask you to define professionalism, but you've already defined it. Right. <laughs> you've you've already defined it, man. Uh, and and you're absolutely right, man. A lot of times, folks, I mean, they're, they're guys that they're phenomenal players, phenomenal players, and they will if the gig starts as I as I said. If you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. Right. That's right. That's right. And if you're late, you forget it because you lose the gig. And you know when a lot of the guys learn this? When they become band leaders. Mm-hmm. That's, when, yes. that's when they finally learn it. When when they're the ones on the, the pens and needles saying, <laughs> oh, man, the, the client is going to, this client is breathing down my neck right now and he they keep coming to me every five minutes saying where's your drummer okay is your drummer here yet where's your drummer is your drummer here yet where's your drummer and you're on the you're texting the drummer and you're calling the come on man you you're stuck at what time did you leave the house okay all right you'll be you know yeah when once that drummer becomes the other guy but once he becomes you then he understands. Now I get it. Yeah, now I get it. The anxiety attack. Nothing against drummers. I just thought I'd no. use that as an example. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, but it, it, it's 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 amazing that you know cats. And you're right. They get it after they become a band leader. It's like, oh man. So, but they but they never come back and say sorry. No, I'm yet to hear a sorry. You know, and the whole time. They think they think you're being a jerk right. because you won't just let them just 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 you know just come on in at uh, ten minutes late and then start setting up while while the clients guests are already there. You know? Right, and right. Because you don't think that's cool and you think it's unprofessional and you you have to dock their pay because you have to have some type of, of rules for them to understand that this is unacceptable. You know, right. or if if they don't want you to dock their pay, then just don't call yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, to help them out. I was going to be a little nicer about saying to help them out, help them out the door. Yeah. Like this, you know, <laughs> you know? Yeah. and then they sit around wondering why their phone isn't ringing. That's right, 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 right. You know, but once they become band leaders, all of a sudden, man, it, 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 I think it humbles them. Yeah, to say, "Ooh, man, hmm, I got to get there early." Because now, you know, the person who's handing the check, they're going to be handing the check to me. That's right. And I can't walk through the door at such and so time. Why? Because they're going to look and say, oh, wait a minute. I think we need to take something off this check. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yep. And, and, and I've, been, uh, I've, been, I've been taught in, in also my corporate days to lead by example, you know. Right. So... Yeah, as a leader, you can't do that. Man. I mean, you can, but 
mean, it, it doesn't, it, you know, it's unprofessional. Yes, mind. it is. Hey, well, Earl, I want to ask you a question. Uh, what would you say has contributed to your guitar style? What is my guitar style? I don't what know. Is, what is it? it? How, would you, how would you define it? Would you define it? Oh, uh, man. You know what my guitar <laughs> Okay, the best thing, and, and I've never thought about it until you just asked me, that's a, a chameleon. A chameleon. Okay, okay. All right. One of the guys that was in that band, that teenage band that I played in, mm-hmm. he he plays multiple instruments. Uh, he gets tired of playing different instruments, but at, during that time, he was a drummer, and he had decided to pick up guitar about 10 years ago, I ran into him at the guitar center and he was playing guitar at the time. So he says, um, and then I'm going to use another example. Remind me to uh, tell you about a, a, a story um, that uh, it's in reference to another a jazz, another jazz guitar. But right now we're talking about a drummer who switched the guitar. I grew up with him. We were in a teenage mm-hmm. band together. We ran into each other at the guitar center. He's playing an acoustic. He asked me to pick up one pick it up so we start shedding together in the okay mm-hmm. so he asked me an interesting question he says um and this will also explain why i get the calls too he says hey man you know the guys say you're like this monster guitarist man they can play all this nice stuff man and like he said I, i've seen like maybe two three hundred youtubes of you and you ain't doing nothing i said, <laughs> I said <laughs> Thank you for the compliment. Right. In case I, and I said it like that because that's how he said it. But he said basically he he was saying that he wasn't impressed. Okay. Okay. So I said thank you for the compliment because guess what? Most of those YouTube clips that you're looking at, those are me playing as a side man. The majority of them, and those people. They called me back for another gig or two or three or four or five or six and so forth. Why did, guess why they called me back? Why? Because I wasn't doing anything. Because your, your description of doing, doing something is, look what I can do. Like Stewie on Mad TV. Look what I can do. 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 Then you're, then you're stepping all over the, the, uh, the, the vocalist or whoever the, uh, the artist is up front. Right, and then they're looking back at you, giving you dirty looks, and then they're saying, uh, t- telling their manager, "Don't ever hire that guy again." Because right. so it's not about what you can do; it's what do you do. So, mm, okay. so to describe my style, mm-hmm. I'm a chameleon. I hit the pit, and that's why I play all the different genres because I, I uh, adapt to my environment. Okay. But I still add something. Because if it was just blending in, that's not cool either. If you just blend in so much that you're like blending into the wallpaper. So I still add a little flavor, but I, I find the right flavor. Okay. I find, I get in where I can fit in, and I try to add just the right seasoning for them to raise an eyebrow and say, hmm, I like what he's doing. Yeah. But I'm not all over the place just shedding, shredding all over somebody's show. No, oh, hey, it's not my gig. <laughs> you know? Hey, man, if you want to keep a gig, never show up the person up front. I mean, that's that's a no-no. 
<laughs> right, right. You, you stay away from that. Don't show up the person up front. <laughs> so, so part two of that is jazz guitarist sent me an email one day. He said, um, send it to my website. He said, hey, Earl, uh, I see you doing a lot of great things, man. He said, man, you smooth jazz cats get all the work. <laughs> I said, you know what? Obviously, he was a traditional straight-ahead guy. Right. I said, guess what? I'm not a smooth jazz cat, man. I'm a guitarist. Now, when you asked me at the beginning of this session here who my influences were, I named uh, Jimi Hendrix. I named Stanley Dan Clark. Clark. Mm-hmm. I, I named Gerald Albright. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ronnie Laws. None of that's straight ahead, you know, uh, bebop, you know. The closest is George Benson, but 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 my... But my point is, you know, uh, clock is fusion, you right. know. Mm-hmm. Um, but my point is, I'm, you know, I man, I'm, I'm just eclectic, man. I, I just like music. So I said, the reason I get all these gigs is because I haven't put myself in a in a box. So if you if you decided to put yourself in a box and just play traditional jazz and nothing else, that's cool. That's your thing. But don't hate on me because I want to be versatile, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I don't want to get off the subject, but if, if we're going to help other musicians, um, if, if that's part of your objective here, yes, I, I'd like yes. to share this. Yes, go ahead. Um, one of the things I noticed that some of the guys, you, you know, I have eight projects out, and I'm working on the ninth one as we speak. I'm not saying that's a lot, but it's more than zero. Right. And some of these guys with, I mean, skill levels are off the Richter scale, man. And they don't, they won't put a project out because they're seeking the approval of their peers. Wow. Wow. Can you expound on that thought? Unless they're, unless they get a seal of approval from their boys, the, the other musicians, they won't, they won't put their stuff out, man. They just keep, leave it on the shelf. And, and my thing is, I you know, I I I I really don't care whether they like my stuff or not. To be honest with you, if they do, that's good. You can't please everybody, right? But but I'm I'm playing for the masses. I'm playing for myself. Right. I'm playing for God. You know. So if if they don't like what I'm doing, that's their problem. But I'm not gonna let my stuff sit on the shelf and never put anything out because my boys. Who, who think at a higher level musically right. than than the, the regular Joe, because they don't like it, you know. And, and, and here's what happens is they, and I learned this the hard way, just like a lot of other musicians. I learned it years ago though, but some people still don't get it. When I used to do these solos, lightning fast solos, with I can do them. I mean. <laughs> man, the audience is sitting there like, man, he's playing so many notes. I I can't, man. He's making me dizzy, you know. Now, if I sit there and just put a whole lot of emotion in one note, they lose their mind. 
Hope you've enjoyed part one of my conversation with Earl Carter. I hope to release part two in the coming weeks. I'd like to note the music in the background uh, is music that's from uh, various Earl Carter projects, uh, which you can uh, purchase at, uh, at his website, which is www.earl-carter.com. And if you'd like more information about the Musicians Real Talk podcast, you can visit my website at www.glendouglasmusic.com. That's www.glendouglasmusic.com. And remember, music is God's gift to the world. It is not your invention. Thank you.